Hey, seasoned athletes, I'm Robin Leggett, and this is episode 17 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. This is your home for inspiring stories and motivational advice from elite athletes from a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. To learn more about this podcast and see show notes from this or any episode, visit seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, I would love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This weekend, top obstacle race athletes from around the world will be convening in Lake Tahoe, California for the Spartan Race World Championships. And as an obstacle race athlete who will be out in Tahoe competing myself, I thought it would be fun to do a Spartan Race World Championships-themed show this week. Our main interview is a well-known name in the Spartan Race and obstacle racing community. In fact, he's often referred to as the godfather of obstacle racing. In last week's episode, I interviewed our oldest athlete to date, and today Today, I'll be talking to our youngest athlete yet, Spartan Race Pro Team member, Hobie Call. But first, let's get to know this week's Everyday Seasoned Athlete. The Everyday Seasoned Athlete segment is where we share firsthand stories from athletes who are over age 40 and represent a wide variety of backgrounds and athletic experience. My goal through the stories these athletes share in their own words is to inspire you to get out and try something new. If you're an obstacle race athlete in Southern California, you likely know today's everyday season athlete as the co-owner of the Long Beach-based Rut Camp Gym. She's also an inspirational leader who is constantly encouraging people to be their greatness. Let's get to know Coach Alicia Lopez. Hey, 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 how's it going? This is Coach Alicia. I'm 43 years old. I compete in obstacle course racing. I'm a cyclist, so I compete in road races, criterium, and cycle cross. So what's my why? Why do I like to compete? Uh, frankly, I've been competing <laughs> all my life. I started playing soccer at the young age of three and played all throughout my life. I've been a cross-country runner, a track runner, a soccer player, and played other sports as well. But just being competitive in the sense that I love to compete against myself. How can I make myself better? Um, how can I prepare better? And just how can I set goals and achieve them? Um, I've always been a driven individual. And so being competitive is just part of my nature. It's just, it's in me. It's almost like it's, it's in my DNA. It's in my blood. Because uh, I, like I said, I love to compete against myself and I love to compete against others. Um, and, and not that that's negative. I really think it's positive having other people out there that are potentially better than you. It just allows you to train and, and really focus in on a goal to, again, just be to improve yourself, but also to just have someone out there that you want to beat just because it's simply fun. I love it. I love to compete. And that's why I love to stay active. Active, again, it's just in my DNA. It, it just runs throughout my system. I love to be active. And there was a point in my life after I had my children that um, I wasn't active and honestly went into a state of depression and it really hit me hard you know, not being active. And so I firmly believe in taking care of yourself, being active, being mobile, utilizing that gift of mobility and, and just using it and going strong. My current goals at a, as a 43-year-old athlete is basically just to stay healthy 
and strong. I think that is one of the challenges in being an older athlete is that, you know, honestly, in my mind, I feel like I'm that 20 year old athlete. And so, um, you know, in my mind, I'm really pressing my body to go harder, dig a little deeper. But the reality is that I need to really program my training, my eating, my rest down to like a science. And it just has to be so dialed in because it takes a lot longer to recover. And so, you know, I can't go as hard as I used to, you know, when I was a young athlete. When I was a young athlete, sometimes I wouldn't even, you know, I would eat horrible. I wouldn't stretch. I wouldn't recover the way I needed to. But now, definitely as an older athlete, that is one of the challenges. However, uh, that is good. But I really have to be mindful of, you know, stretching, eating well, taking my supplements, sleeping, um, being less stressed. All that can take havoc on your body. So you just really have to be overly prepared to keep your body in tip top shape. My advice for anyone looking to become a seasoned athlete is this. First and foremost, remember that you have a gift. You have the gift uh, to use your legs, your arms. You have the gift of mobility, of movement. So utilize it, okay? That's the first thing to, to understand because some people are not in your position and don't have the freedom to just get up and move and exercise. And so once you realize that, that is the, the foundation of knowing that, you know, this is a pretty awesome place to be in. And so use that gift to, you know, train, enter races, compete, have fun. Um, but take your time. Um, be understanding of where your body's at and basically go at a slow level of, of, you know, just taking your time and understanding how your body's going to operate and then just figure what kind of goals you want to start conquering because anything is possible. Another suggestion I would make um, would be to basically hire a coach or find a team that can help you understand and put you on the right path and give you the right direction to go and to get in shape. Okay. You don't want to hurt yourself. That's the last thing you want to do. So be smart about it. Educate yourself and surround yourself around people that are doing the same thing as you. Hey guys, it was great chatting with you. This is Alicia Lopez and I am a seasoned athlete. Have a great one. Be your greatness. If you'd like to tell your everyday seasoned athlete story in a future episode, visit seasonedathlete.me slash everyday and tell us a little bit about yourself. And now it's time to meet this week's featured seasoned athlete, Hobie Call. We recorded this interview back in July, so astute followers of Spartan Race standings may notice that some of the stats I talk about in the intro are no longer correct. But that's just because this obstacle racing legend is enjoying a farewell tour for the ages. Here is Hobie Call. Hi, Hobie. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for being on my show. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? Absolutely. A little bit I might have. <laughs> well, you're just you're just barely a seasoned athlete according to my rules. So, but you've definitely <laughs> you've definitely acquired some some knowledge over time. So I can't wait to uh, to glean that from you. So you are Hobie Call. You're a Utah-based father of five, a member of the Spartan Race Pro Team, and you're often referred to as the godfather of obstacle racing. With a background as a distance runner, you ran your first Spartan Race in 2011, have since run 82 obstacle races, picking up a stunning 56 first-place finishes and becoming a fan favorite along the way. In 2015, you stepped away from professional racing, prompting some to believe you had retired, but you weren't done, and nothing proved that more than when you showed up to the 2016 Spartan Race World Championships and walked away with your third World Championship. 
championship title. This year, you're making one more run at glory, working towards becoming the first Masters athlete to top the overall elite podium at the 2017 Spartan Race World Championships before officially retiring for real this time. Is there anything vital personally, professionally, or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a quick moment to fill in? Um, no, no, that sounds pretty good. Okay, good. From here, I'm going to ask you the big question that I ask all my guests, and that is, what is your age at this moment in time? Yeah, I am 40 years old. Congratulations and welcome to the Seasoned Athlete Club. Yeah, thank you. So let's start from the beginning. How long have you been playing sports and what did your early athletic life look like? Pretty much my whole life, honestly. I played a little bit of basketball um, just when I was really young and stuff. And I like other sports, but really it's always been running been the number one focus. So I've heard you say that when you were younger, your goal was to be the best runner in the world. What did you do to work towards that goal? Um, Honestly, when I was younger, I just, you know, I would just run. I didn't really have a training program. I didn't have coaches or anything. I just, I just ran a lot and just had fun with it. And all I knew is I enjoyed it. And I liked to push myself hard when I was running around playing. And it took, it took, you know, a lot of years to develop an actual plan and a strategy and all that to go with it. But, but yeah, in the younger years, it's just mostly just having fun because I enjoyed it so much. So it's just free form play basically for you for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Very nice. I think a lot of people think about sports and athletics as, you know, a lot of people shy away from it because it sounds like work. And I think a lot of people forget that it has a basis. It can have a basis in play. And it can have a basis in just having fun, which I think you've really done a good job at embracing. So when did you or how did you end up qualifying for the Olympic trials in 2008? Yep. It's actually 2007, I guess, but it was for the okay. 2008 Olympics. I finally got focused. I was about 30 years old. Yeah, 30 years old at the time, 2007. And, you know, I'd finally gotten focused about two or three years before that. Deciding the marathon was probably my best distance. Um, I actually would have been better off-road mountain running, but there was no money in that. So I stuck with the marathon because I had the most potential to actually make money if you're the best at it. So I was focused on the marathon for a few years at that point. And so my wife and I, um, there's quite a story really, because at this point I'm 30 years old, you know, and when you've been going at it your whole life, if you haven't achieved success by the time you're 30, you're pretty much already over the hill, you know, you're not going to. And I just decided, you know, I got to give it my all. We've been going at this my whole life. And so we actually sold our house. We moved into a friend's guest house. I quit my job for a little while and we just lived super cheap. But so that way I could just train full time, put all my energy into running. And, you know, after just a few months of that, I was able to go run a 216 marathon and get qualified for the Olympic trials. And, so that's what got me there. Uh, there's more to that story, but I'll let you keep asking questions because I got an answer to a question that'll go with that. So, <laughs> okay. So what? So so you qualified two sixteen, amazing time. What happened from there? Well, I had uh, one of the worst races of my life. Uh, I went to the Olympic trials, and I, I had so much pressure on myself. That was probably part of the reason I was just super stressed out. Cause we'd put everything into this and this, this was my moment. I told my wife, I said, this is it. And we did everything we could. We, we literally sacrificed everything that was possible to sacrifice to make this the moment. And either I'm going to make it, either I'll make it to the Olympics or I'll do well enough to get a sponsor to make continuing training worthwhile still, or else I'll finally retire and, you know, move on with life, find a new career path. And 
so that's what was in my mind. That's what I told my wife, and that was the plan. And we went to the trials, and it's still a mystery somewhat today as why I had such a bad race, but I ended up dropping out at like 13 or 14 miles. It just, I didn't feel bad. I didn't hurt. The next day I was fine. I never got sick, but my body just wouldn't move. It just wouldn't work. I just was just running slower and slower and slower every mile until finally I was like, I don't know what's wrong, but this obviously isn't my day. So I quit and um, dropped out and I went home and first time in my life understood what it was like to be truly depressed. It was a pretty scary moment actually um, for a few weeks there. But uh, in the long run, hindsight, 10 years later, I'm super glad that that happened the way it did because if I would have ran my best and it wouldn't have been good enough, I would have retired. And then all this obstacle racing never would have happened. Um, But it turns out that because I did so bad after a few weeks of depression, I finally, I just got angry. I got super angry. Not like I hate people angry, but super angry as I'm not going out this way. I've worked at this my whole entire life and there's, I'm not done. I'm not, I'm not going to let that be it for me. Um, and so I just used that anger to train like, like you can't even imagine. I was just so hyper-focused and determined to not let that be it for me that I, and I totally changed my training and everything, but I don't know, a whole series of events you could call coincidences, but I don't believe in coincidence. Um, that led me to be just super trained for obstacle racing when it showed up in 2011. It's a, it's a powerful message in that you shouldn't let a bad experience define everything for you, you know, and that especially the end of something where it's, you know, you're doing something that you love and you have such a great trajectory and then a bad experience happens and you could let it end you. But I love that you got angry and you got fired up from it. It took you a little bit of time, but you got fired up from it and said, this is not defining me. I am not ending my athletic career with this experience. So I think, and that looks like it played really well into obstacle racing, which I think it's a good time now to get into that. So how did you find your way into obstacle racing? Well, it all started with Joe DeSena, who's the um, owner of Spartan Race who started it, co-founded it. And he and just this magazine article um, had offered $100,000 to anybody who could win all of his races in 2011 in the U.S. And I just happened to come across that article and thought, you know, I didn't know what obstacle racing was. It was brand new. We don't have a clue. And so, but I'm still, I'm like, well, $100,000, shoot. So I emailed the company because it wasn't anywhere on their website or anything. I email them and ask them about it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's legit. Totally. Um, and I was like, well, shoot, maybe this is what I've been waiting for. You know, cause I, as a runner, I always enjoyed working my upper body. Anytime I let myself get real skinny, I hated it. It never lasted very long. I've always just enjoyed doing pull-ups and stuff like that my whole life. And I thought, well, shoot, I may not be the best runner in the world, but these obstacles, I don't know what they are, but I might just be well suited to them too. And maybe just the balance of the two might just be something I might be the best at. So that's what got me started. We just showed up to the first race thinking, let's go for this $100,000. See what happens. And then how did it go? Did you get that $100,000? Well, no, I didn't get the 100000 because it also included the death race, which is this multi-day event challenge, whatever you want to call it. And I, I ended up dropping out of that. But, but I won the first five races leading up to it and then most races after it. But anyways... Um, but I knew in my first race, 
because I always thought I enjoyed road racing, running marathons and stuff. And at, at my first obstacle race, though, I had so much fun. I couldn't believe how much fun I was having. And at the end of the race, I was like, this is it. This is why I am the way I am. This is why I've done the things I've done my whole life. This is why I couldn't quit because I had to reach this moment. And I knew this industry, this race, this sport was for me. I was built for it my whole life. And instantly at my first race, I knew. I was like, this is it. This is what I've been training for. And and not only that, but it's just so much fun. I was like, marathons weren't fun. Marathons sucked. You know, once <laughs> I'd run an obstacle race. So I didn't realize how much not fun I was having before after how much fun I had at an obstacle race. So, yeah, anyways, after the first race, I knew it. I knew it. I knew this was my industry and I was going nowhere. This was it for me. So it's been quite a journey. Yeah. It's like you didn't realize that racing in general could be fun. Like you thought, okay, this is how it is and I'm, it's cool. But once you experienced obstacle racing, you're like, wait, this thing kind of sucks. Like this thing that I used to do is actually really boring and long. This is the good time right here. Yeah, exactly. It's like if you grew up eating nothing but rice and beans, you wouldn't have a clue how much better stuff there is out there because you never had it. You know, yeah. and until you experience it, you just don't know. All of a sudden, one day you have chocolate. You're like, whoa, mind blown. You know, right, right. <laughs> why have you been holding out on me my whole life? Yeah. But until you've had it, you don't even know. And that's exactly. how it was for me with obstacle racing. So it was quite the experience. So briefly, for those who may not know, uh, what is an obstacle race and why do you love it so much? Well, it's it's, it's off-road running, generally endurance-based, anywhere from three miles to pretty much infinity. But um, on top of that, it's it's obstacles, anything from rope climbs, traverse walls, all sorts of monkey bar type variations, barbed wire crawls, grabbing heavy objects and carrying them up and down hills. You know, just any anything they can think of to throw at you, they throw at you. And it's just so exciting because every obstacle is like, you know, I mean, after you've done 80 races, you've seen pretty much everything. But even still, it's like, okay, now I got to work my grip. Now I got to work this. Now I got to work that. There's so much more variety to it than just running. And, and the obstacles sometimes are just, it's exciting to see how fast you can get through it, or it's exciting to see if you even can get through it and do it, you know, and just the unique challenge of it all. And you run around this hill and I said, oh, boom, there's that obstacle. Holy cow, what do I do? You know, and it just keeps it so much more exciting than just running alone and just so much more well-rounded fitness. It's a lot harder to get bored of it because you always have to be training to be able to do just about anything. So it just keeps it exciting. I agree with you on all of that. I'm I'm an obstacle racer, not to the level that you are, not anywhere near it. And so I, I just find it so interesting hearing your perspective of viewing the obstacles, having done so many races. And like you said, you've seen them all. And so you're like my perspective of a race is there's always something I fail at. There's always one or two things I fail at. So I know that's the thing I need to work on for future races. And I feel like you have a slightly different perspective because you have so much experience with it where it's not so much like, am I going to pass or fail this obstacle? It's just how fast am I getting through it? And I think that's so cool. I want to get to that place. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's just trying to beat the guy behind me or to catch the guy in front of me. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, for most people, the excitement is, all right, last time I filled this obstacle, this time I got to get through it. You know, they trained for it and they work for it. And can I do it this time? You know, and it just always keeps it exciting. You never get bored of it. Yeah. It's different every time. Even if you see a lot of the same things, it can be different every time. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's the same, it's different. So exactly. Exactly. So when you started obstacle racing, you were in your 30s, right? Yeah, it's almost 34. Almost 34. And as you said, in many sports, that's considered over the hill. But you became very successful in a very short amount of time, earning 13 first place finishes in your first year alone. 
What qualities or skills, either mental, physical, or both, proved to be beneficial to you when you first started in 2011? Um, obviously, physical, um, just being well-rounded and being prepared for just about anything obviously helps. But the mental is far bigger for me, especially at that age, because it's, you know, most people think, well, I'm already past my prime. And even I was thinking that at the time. But you have to be prepared for the things you're unprepared for. As funny as that might sound, because you don't you don't know what you're getting yourself into when you get started. You're like, are you running into a new obstacle for the first time? You're like, uh, what do I do? You know, I mean, literally, I've stopped now so many times I can't even remember. We have to volunteer quick. What do I do right here? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, am I prepared to do that? Am I not prepared to do that? You know, and it's uh, I'm different in a lot of ways than other sports because every once in a while you do fail an obstacle and all of a sudden you got to stop and do 30 burpees, like if it's a Spartan race or something. And and that can be so mentally defeating as a racer, uh, and hugely mentally defeating because you know once once the sport got more competitive, you fell an obstacle. All of a sudden, your competitors are just running away from you, and you're like, oh my gosh, I just you know I got to do 30 burpees while well, they're all running off, and you just want to give up. It's so so easy to give up on the race right then and there, and to say, well, it's just not my day. So I'll just go and I'll just finish, and you know, I'll do better the next time, but. You know, as a competitor, to have the mental grit to say, regardless of the moment I'm in right now, as soon as it's over, the race still isn't over. The race isn't over until you reach the finish line. And as long as you can have that mentality of my job, as much as you think about winning, that's not really your job as an athlete. Your job is just to do your best from the starting line to the finish line. That's where happiness comes from. That's where your joy and satisfaction in life comes from and whatever you're doing. You just got to do your best from when you start something till you finish it, do your best. And you know what? You're going to hit bumps. You're going to hit walls. You're going to get knocked on your face and you're going to get kicked while you're down there. And, you know, if you're the kind of person you're just like, oh, well, this sucks today, so I quit, then you're not going to be happy in life. But if you just say, well, it sucks right now, but I'm going to eventually get back up. And when I do, I got to keep going because I'm not there yet. And you do that. And regardless of the outcome of the race, you'll be happy. You could finish fifth and be super happy or you could win and be like, ah, just another day, you know, and it all depends on your attitude and how hard you push yourself. And I think that's just something I've been able to learn over the years. Cause I certainly wasn't that way in my twenties. I'll tell you what, I had races where I was the guy that would throw a tantrum and get pissed if things were going my way. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, at, at an older age, I finally learned, I've still got more to learn, but I've, I've finally learned if you just show up and do your best, uh, you don't have to win to be happy. You certainly don't. Um, you just need to do your best till you get to where you're going. And and you'll be satisfied with that. That is a maturity for many that comes with age. But it's a good thing to know as early as possible that you just get out there and you do your best. And that could be a race. That could be anything in life, really. And just put your all into it. Yeah. I recently did my first stadium race. And I was really excited because I ran my fastest race that I had ever run. And then when I looked at the standings, I was last place in Masters. And it could have been easy to be like, oh, well, that sucks. But then I remembered. It's like, this was my best race, you know? It's like, this was my best that I can do at this current place in time. So I'm happy with that, yeah. you know? And that's I think that's something that is good to take with you. And, and that's good advice that you're giving today, Hobie. So thank you for that. You're welcome. So now you are officially in your 40s. Welcome to this wonderful world. Thanks. Do you believe your attitude or outlook on how you train or compete has changed or evolved? And if so, how? Absolutely. I used to look at racing as my the test of my fitness. And and even you even put yourself worth 
at your race results sometimes, which is a horrible thing to do, but I think we all do it to a certain extent, certainly earlier in life especially. And so, one, you have to learn that your self-worth as a human being has nothing to do with when you cross that finish line. You come in 20th place, you're not all of a sudden a, a loser because you were hoping to win, you know. That doesn't define who you are. So that's the first good lesson. Um, but number two, and this this has probably been the biggest thing for me in the last few years that helps me to be so happy when I'm racing, is that I don't look at races as a test anymore of my fitness. You know, the test is, is every day when you're training. When you wake up in the morning, you're going to wake up early enough to do your workout. You're going to come home when you're tired. You're going to put in your workout or you're going to make sure you get to bed early enough at night instead of staying up watching TV or something, you know, just to make sure you get adequate rest. You know, the test goes day to day. Are you going to eat that healthy meal or are you going to eat what's convenient and quick and maybe not so healthy, you know? This moment to moment, day by day, that's when the test is. And when it comes time for race day, instead of thinking of that as the test, that's more of a celebration. You know, everybody's put in all the hard work. Everybody's done what they're going to do. And then we all get together and we all only go and we celebrate the hard work we've put in over the months or weeks or years or whatever to that point. And we, we celebrate our success and arrange it all against each other or with each other and just have fun out there and enjoy it. And that enables me to have so much more fun on race day than I ever used to be able to have because it's not a test anymore. It's the celebration of all the hard work I've been doing. And with just that change of mindset, you're just smiling more, you're happier. Um, the things that would normally upset you don't upset you. You're just like, well, at the moment, but oh, well, you know, moving on. And you just keep smiling, you keep having fun. So that's what I would suggest is change your perspective. Don't look at it. Race day is your, your test of your fitness. Um, look at it as a celebration of your fitness. I love that so much. And I actually heard you talk about that in another podcast and it just really stuck with me. It really stuck with me. And I just, it's like, I think that's going to be in my head for every single race I go into. It's like, this is my celebration. This is my party. And I really love the idea of just bringing fun into competition as much as possible. Uh, I, I think you're probably familiar with the blog that Amelia Boone wrote, uh, where she talked about how her mindset has changed on racing since she was injured. And she used to get really freaked out on race day and just it turned her into kind of, I think she said a horrible person and then post injury. It's like, I want this to be fun. I don't want someone to tell me good luck on race day. I want someone to tell me to have fun. And that was something that stuck in my head as well. And it's like, so I'm making it a point now to tell anyone who's going into a race or competition to have fun, not good luck. Cause I think it's so important. Yeah, I agree. Fun. Fun's number one. That's what I've always said. It wouldn't rhyme if it wasn't true. Fun is number one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so you stepped away from professional racing in 2015 and it seems at least some believed you had retired from the sport. If you look up Hobie Call online, you'll see a bunch of stuff about Hobie Call retired. What's up? You did do some racing in 2016, but what led to your decision to step away professionally and how did it affect your approach to racing going forward? Mostly I just wasn't quite doing well enough and there just wasn't quite enough money uh, to be able to survive it financially is primarily the reason why. Um, and I just like, it just, it, it's been quite, you know, I did it for four years, I think just obstacle racing and working with companies and whatnot. But it's quite the roller coaster ride. You know, up, the highs were high, but the lows were low. And finally, my wife and I were just like, we just got to get off this ride for a while, you know. <laughs> the lows are getting a little too low for comfort. 
and we need some a little bit of stability in our income. And so, you know, that and I let I let drama of, you know, all the behind the scenes stuff get a little to me a little too much. And I was just like, I just gotta get away from this. And so I went back to working a full time job and you know, I didn't have any sponsors or anything, so getting to races you know, mostly it was just a financial burden and just couldn't do it. That's the main reason why I quit racing so much. Um, but also, you know, just being busy at work, you can't just jump on an airplane any weekend and go travel to a race. So, yeah, I wasn't racing nearly as much, but I was still at home training hard, though. You know, hoping the day would come back or I'd have my, another chance, you know, to go at it. But, but yeah, I just was racing so little that people just figured I stepped away and was done, but that wasn't the case at home though. Yeah. So you were just hanging back, taking care of business at home, taking care of your training, just in case the opportunity to present it itself to come back. Yeah, exactly. So you came out to the 2016 Spartan race world championships as a 39 year old father of five working a full-time job. And you came in first place as you often have, even though you'd done some racing in the air, people were hailing it as your big comeback. What do you think was the key to your success at that particular race? Well, partly my attitude, like I said, that had changed at that point where I wasn't looking at the race as a test, but as a celebration. So I was just in a good mood for it, you know, and that really makes a big difference. But but um, as much as that, I actually trained for it. Because <laughs> over, over all the earlier years, I was actually training for the shorter events, so the longer the beast events and whatnot. It always just kill me because they were just so much longer than what I was training for. But in the spring of 2016, I decided, you know what? The World Championships are in Tahoe. That's only a seven-hour drive for me from my house. And it's my kind of mountain, the kind of type of mountain I train in. I'm like, let's train for this thing. Let's just actually, you know, legitimately train for that and go see what we can do. And we actually got some mileage under us. So so that's what I did. So I trained for it all summer long. And I was confident. I I anticipated winning I thought I could and, and you know I had to have a good day for it to happen so that was super cool but because everything worked out yeah. but yeah I was prepared I showed up prepared it wasn't just this surprise moment for me that's for sure yeah well again you you know you were hanging back people weren't seeing much of you but you were busy training and working and it sounds like the mountains where you live were a great place to train for this specific race so that worked out really well that you could kind of show up and people be like, oh, it's Hobie. Where do you come from? And you're like, I've been working. Yeah. I tell people, well, this isn't my quote. I've heard it, you know, elsewhere, but, but you don't, you don't win the race on race day. You win the race when you're training, when nobody's watching, you know, that's when, that's where races are won and lost. Every day when you're out there busting your butt, that's when you win the race. Exactly. All right. Well, this year, you're back. You're competing in the Spartan U.S. Championship Series, which is a select series of races that will air on NBC throughout the year. You've already won a couple of those races, and it looks like you are just having a blast. I've been watching the live feeds on the Spartan Race website. I watched you stop to bust out some pull-ups on the multi-rig when the finish line was in sight. I watched you stop to give high fives to the crowd in the middle of the race, and you're just, you just look like you're having a good time. Can you talk about what goes on through your mind during these high-profile races that allows you to stop in the middle of what you're doing and have these moments on the course? (laughs) Well, a lot of it is that, you know, I am 40 and I am retiring. And, you know, I mean, being my last year, I I just, every race, I'm like, oh, man, I've got four races left. Now I only have three races left. You know, and I think I've been doing this my whole life. If I only got three races left now, why darn, I'm going to have as much fun as I could possibly have. You know, that's what's going through my mind. And, and there is a little bit of the stress, mostly it's just excited stress of, 
I do want to perform. I do want to win. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm out there to win the thing, but, but if I don't win, it's not the end of the day. I could still have a great time. So having that mentality helps a lot, but I, I want to have fun and I want to, you know, it's the fans that, that kept me going all those years, even before they were fans, even before obstacle racing came along, it was my desire and hope to inspire other people, you know, to never give up, to follow your heart, you know, um, to believe in yourself. And, and that's what kept me going year after year after year, even when nobody knew who I was, I wasn't running any big races or anything. And I, I feel like I finally achieved that. Um, it can't inspire everybody, but I feel like I achieved that goal. And it's the goal I worked for for decades, you know, not just for a few months, not just for a couple of years, for decades, I worked for that my whole life. And I feel like I've achieved that goal. And so this, this whole year for me is like one big retirement celebration party. You know, every race is, is almost like, even though I'm not retired yet, I'm still working hard. The whole year is like a big send off retirement party for me. And so I'm, I'm just determined to have a great time. I'm going to work as hard as I can race as fast as I can. But number one is I'm just going to have fun and I want to give back. I want to let the crowds cheering me on and everybody know I appreciate it, you know, because I was able to inspire some of them, you know, and, and when I'm running by and they're cheering me on, I'm excited and we, we feed off of each other. They feed off me and I feed off of them. And, you know, to be able to interact with them as much as possible while I'm racing is just exciting for me and let them know that I appreciate them being there and, whether they're, whether they're there to cheer me on or whether they're there to do their own thing, it doesn't matter. We're all there together just to have a good time. And, you know, I just appreciate that and just want to let it show, I guess. And it's such a contrast to that Olympic trial where, you know, looking back on that Olympic trial where you almost quit back then and what a, what a dark experience that was for you. And just to be where you are now on this, you could call it a farewell tour or a victory tour or a retirement party, as you're calling it. How nice it must be to, to be able to know that you did it right. That you're, that when you choose to go out, you're going out on your own terms in the best possible way. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's wonderful. I just get chills right now. Just thinking about it. (laughs) I was going to ask you, I previously was going to ask you why retire, but I feel like I already know the answer. Like, I feel like I know just by what you've been telling me that it's like the, I want to go out the way I want to go out, you know? Yeah, I'd want to go out on my terms. And I've always said I don't, I don't think I'd want to go out just getting a little slower every year after year after year until all of a sudden you're irrelevant, you know? Yeah, may as well go out big. Yeah, yeah, go out big. That last year I just, I mean, I'm giving it my all. I really am giving it everything I got. And that's how I want to go out saying I, I did it, you know? I, I finished as strong as I possibly could. And that's that. And also... You know, another reason to retire is, is, you know, I've made a lot of sacrifices along the way. But first, let me say, though, my wife makes a lot more sacrifices than I do. She's sacrificed a lot more than I have, so she needs to be credited for that. Um, Hopefully she gets all the credit she deserves for that someday because of all the sacrifices. She's the one doing most of the sacrificing, to be honest. But anyways, nonetheless, we both have sacrificed a lot. Um, But for me, it's always felt like, well, I'm just... I'm sacrificing, but only by delaying other things I want to do in life. You know, they're just being delayed. But I've noticed this last year or two that they're not, those things I've been sacrificing aren't just being delayed until another day. They're, they're gone. They're disappearing. They're out of here. And, and I start seeing things disappear that I don't really want to disappear. I'm like, that's gone. It's not coming back, you know, and I can see other things coming up. I'm like, if I keep putting all that extra energy and time I have into racing, training, 
then that's going to disappear. Then that's going to disappear. And, you know, there's other things in life that are important. You know, I've got children and my oldest one's going off to college in a month. He's out of the house in a month, you know? Wow. And there's so many things I would have, I would have liked to have done with him while he was younger at home all the time. It's like, it's gone. It's done. That, that opportunity has gone, you know, and my other kids are growing up fast. So, you know, I, I do want to do other things in life besides chase podiums my whole life. And, and I, I made it to 40. I was super stoked. I made it to 40. I'm like, I made it to the master's club. Yes. You know, I'm like, I, I can't quit now. I can't quit right when I'm here. I got to give it one last year and see what I can do at 40. See if I can still beat these young guys, you know? And so it's the excitement of trying to beat the younger guys at 40, you know, that helps motivate me to train so hard. But yeah, once I've done that, it's like the sacrifices aren't going to be worth it anymore. It's, there's other things I got to get done in life. And I gave it my all. I think I accomplished the mission I set off to accomplish years and years ago. And I think it's the perfect way to go out. So that's what we're doing. Well, I think I, I think you put a lot of wisdom and thought into the choice. And I like that you said I wanted to reach 40. I played a different sport before obstacle racing. Uh, I played roller derby and my goal was to get to 40 in that sport. And so I, I totally connected with that. It's like, yep, that's a magic number that sits there. And it's like... Yeah, it's just like another year or two. I can get there. I can make it to 40. And then who knows what's next after that. Do you think there's any shot that you'll change your mind? Um, well, here's something I heard a while ago that, that resonated with me. It was like, the average person has about two hours a day to do what they want to do with their life. You know, once you get past personal hygiene, showering, sleeping, working, eating, you know, the things you just basically got to do just to live. There's about two hours a day that most people have where they can say, this is what I want to do with my time. And my entire life, I spent that two hours a day becoming the best athlete I can be. So all the other things I've wanted to do have never gotten done because all my time and energy goes into being a great athlete. And, and so I guess to answer your question is if someone were to say, I will pay you a livable wage to go win races, then I could say, well, that would be like a full-time job, and now I have two hours of every day to go work on something else. I guess I would maybe possibly reconsider at that point because it would still leave me a little bit of time to do something else with my life. But I don't anticipate that happening. I'm not trying to make that happen. And... Even if it was offered to me, I don't, I'm not entirely sure I would take it. I think I'm ready to move on and, you know, put my focus into something else. And you've lived in this world long enough to know. <laughs> that, that I have. Yep. So I know you don't have much time left. I have one or two questions for you. Um, you're, you're a married father of five. You work full time. Life is busy, to say the least. I would love to know the advice that you would give to fellow busy parents to help them stay active, if not competitive, if that's what they want. Number one, you really do. You got to believe in yourself. You got to believe it's possible and you, you got to follow your heart. Let your heart guide the way. Don't let, don't let your mind get in the way. Sometimes your mind tends to be the more logical and, oh, well, this makes more sense and that makes more sense. And, you know, very are great things accomplished in life by those people who just listen to the logical mind because the logical mind never seeks greatness. Um, it always just seeks safety and comfort. <laughs> um, you got to follow your heart. If your heart wants something, I tell you it's, it's possible. 
And you can't worry about the outcome too much. You just got to worry about doing what your heart wants you to do every day. And the outcome will just end up being what it is. Um, and and you got to never give up. You know, so so many dreams are just simply never accomplished because you just gave up one day too early. You know, I could, I could go on story after story of, of how this is the same way with obstacle racing. I was right to the point where I was like, okay, this is it. This is my last year. Is it? And as soon as I became settled on that, all of a sudden obstacle racing popped up, you know? Um, but I, I made it, you know, it's always after that final hardest, most difficult trial that the, that what you've been waiting for comes, but you got to get through it. You can't quit first. And if you quit, then you're not going to make it. So yeah, believe in yourself, follow your heart, never give up. Uh, don't worry about what the naysayers have to say. It's not their life. You're living, it's your life. So do what you got to do and just do it every day. When you have bad days, don't, don't let them, don't let them get to you. Cause we all have bad days and it's not always your fault. Sometimes a bad day has nothing to do with you or your effort or lack of effort or attitude or anything, you know, the world will just give you a bad day. Even if you're doing your best to make sure they don't happen, it's going to happen. And just say, all right, it's just a bad day. It's a bad moment. It's a bad week. It's a bad year. I've had bad years. I went a couple of years without racing one single race because things just weren't going my way, you know, but I didn't give up, <laughs> you know? So you're going to have those bumps in the road, but just, Get back up and take one more step. Just keep taking that last step. It's applicable to a race. It's applicable to life. Always keep moving forward. Yeah, exactly. And I love that you said, I actually wrote down the quote because I want to come back to it. The logical mind never sees greatness. I think that's such an amazing quote. Um, follow your heart because your brain, your brain is going to talk you out of every good thing that you want to do in your life. So don't listen to it. it. Will. Yeah. Yeah. Follow, follow what your it heart will. and your soul want to do. And you will find a way to make it happen. Yep. Well, Hobie, thank you so much for being on the Season Athlete Podcast. And best of luck for the rest of the season. I've been following you so far. I'm going to keep following what you're doing. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. You know, I just want to say, I, I don't think anybody really could properly appreciate it until they actually reach this age. But, you know, for those who have been going at it for a long time, year after year after year, I got to say I'm impressed with everybody who's done it as an athlete because we are getting slower, whether we like to admit it or not, you know, maybe not a lot. I'm still doing quite well, but was I a little better a while ago? Yeah, I was, you know? Um, and so to keep giving your best, even when you know you're only going to keep getting slower and slower, it takes some good mental grit to do that, but we should still keep doing it anyway, because, you know, you still got to be your best regardless of what your best is. Our best 10 years from now certainly won't be what it is now, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be your best, you know, so everyone who's going through that, because when I was younger, it was always, well, I'm training hard so I can get better. I'm training hard so I can get better. Well, I'm not training hard to get better anymore. <laughs> I'm just training hard to try to keep up with myself and not get worse, you know? So, um, to be able to do that, you know, when you reach this age and you're still seeking to be your best, I'm impressed by anybody who does that. So I just wanted to say that. I And thank you for saying that. I, it's true. As you get older, you know, sometimes you work, have to work a little harder for the things that came a little easier as you were younger. But at the same time, when you when you train, when you compete, when you take care of yourself as you get older, it actually helps you feel younger. And so even though things you have to work a little bit harder it's helping you stay younger. So it kind of works on both sides. And that's what I really like about 
talking to the athletes that I talk to on the show and and experiencing athletics in my own life is that I hear the story over and over again about how, yes, I have to take care of my body. I have to be mindful of self-care, be mindful of recovery, but I feel younger than I ever have because of it. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I mean, I have been in better shape, but I feel great. I'm taking really good care of myself and I feel great. And I never thought I'd be doing this good or still be this fast at 40 years old. So, yeah, like and then just like you said, everybody says, which is true. We do. We got to be a lot smarter about it and more disciplined <laughs> than we were when we were 30 or 20. That's for sure. But if you are, it's amazing. It's amazing what you can do. Yep. And we're seeing it with you. We're seeing it with what you're doing out there still to this day. Uh, you yeah. know, this many years in at age 40. So I'm excited to see you out there some more. I'm excited to hopefully meet you at World Championships this year because I'll be out there. So uh, awesome. thank you for being on the season athlete and have fun. I was going to tell you good luck. No, have fun with the rest of the season. That's right. Have fun. All right, seasoned athletes, before we go, here are my top three takeaways from Hobie Call. Number one, be prepared for the things you're unprepared for. Competition and life likes to throw curveballs our way. How we react to those curveballs can determine how successful we are at the things we want to do. It's impossible to prepare for everything, but you can at least train how you will react to those unexpected moments. Number two, do your best from start to finish. We can't always win every race, and if we put all of our stock into the outcome, we are destined for disappointment from time to time at the very least. The greatest joy comes from knowing you put everything into what you do from beginning to end. And finally, always remember that the competition is not the test. The training is the test. The time you put in day in and day out is the true test. The competition? That's the celebration of all your hard work. Enjoy it. Thanks again to Hobie Call. Go to Spartan Live on Facebook to watch the Spartan Race World Championships on Saturday, September 30th, starting at 7 a.m. Pacific time. Thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard in this episode is from bensound.com. If hearing Alicia and Hobie's stories piqued your curiosity about obstacle racing, go on over to seasonedathlete.me to download my free beginner's guide to obstacle racing. I put together a PDF that's bursting with information that will help you feel confident and ready for your first race. From race choice to gear selection to training and nutrition, it's all in there. Again, just go to seasonedathlete.me to download the beginner's guide to obstacle racing for free. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you right back here next week with another interview with an amazing and inspirational seasoned athlete.